Welcome to All Whovians. My name is Brianna, and I am going to take you through the vortex on this companion guide to classic Doctor Who. The purpose of this podcast is to go through classic Doctor Who serial by serial to provide some context, analysis, and commentary. I conceive of this podcast as being especially useful for those of you who already love Classic Who and want to come back to it, watch more of it, but also for those of you who are huge fans of New Who and want to approach the Classic series for the first time. For those of you who have no idea what Doctor Who is, please come along for the ride, get on the bandwagon, you're going to have a ball. If you possibly can, as you are embarking on this journey through Classic Who, find yourself a friend or lots of friends to watch with. But if you don't have that person, I will be here to appreciate all that works in Classic Who, to laugh at all the things that don't, and generally to be on the journey with you in this podcast. I have my background in English literature and creative writing, so I am primarily going to be approaching the show from that perspective. I'm really preoccupied with character and story structure and mood, how all these things come together. But I also want to talk about each serial in its historical context, if that is relevant, as well as any cultural issues it's bringing up, philosophical questions, and more generally how this fits into the larger story of science fiction and how sci-fi develops over time. I will, of course, also always bring up when there are things that are happening in these serials that are relevant to New Who in any capacity. For those of you who are coming at this with your background in New Who and are looking backwards. For the non-Whovian who stumbled across this podcast and has no idea what Doctor Who is, first off, you, you need to go fix that. You, you need to go watch Doctor Who. This is a necessary thing you must do. But I'll, I'll give you a brief overview. The premise of Doctor Who is that we have an alien who's centuries old. His, usually his name, is the Doctor. And the doctor has access to this machine that can take him anywhere in time and space. This machine is known as the TARDIS. And from the outside looking in is a blue police telephone box. Beautiful against the landscapes of alien worlds, I may say. But when you enter this little blue telephone box, it is in fact much bigger on the inside and opens up a world beyond your imagination. With his TARDIS and various companions, the Doctor runs forward and backwards in time, mostly mucking about. He gets into a fair bit of trouble and tries to do the right thing most of the time, trying to right some wrongs and generally having lots of great adventures. Doctor Who as a program is the longest running science fiction show on television when it is conceived of as one show, which I absolutely do conceive of it as one show. The original series ran from 1963 to 1989. 
The show was then canceled for a time. During the wilderness years, a group of Americans decided to produce the 1990 film of of Doctor Who, which is considered canon and is hilarious. I can't wait to get to it. The series revived in 2005 and has continued on through the present. The reason the show is so long-lasting is because its title character, the Doctor, is granted an ability known as regeneration. Essentially, when the Doctor is fatally wounded, he can regenerate into a new body. He'll have a new form, new personality, new quirks, but the memories of his previous incarnation, his consciousness, if you believe in a soul, his soul, moves from form to form. This has allowed various actors to play the Doctor over the years. In addition, the companion characters that round out the rest of the permanent cast will be with the Doctor for a time and then, especially in Classic Who, usually choose to leave to pursue other things, which means that part of the cast can also rotate out. Because of this, we have a brand new cast pretty regularly throughout the show's history. And with that behind the scenes, there are often new lead writers, new people in charge of music, new producers. The show essentially reinvents itself periodically, allowing it to keep to its essential premise of a show in which we're traveling backwards and forwards through time and having adventures but to feel new and regenerated from time to time. Because of these changes, you may find yourself drawn to certain eras of Doctor Who and less interested in others, and that's very common for those of you who are already fans or for those of you coming at the series for the first time. Now, I genuinely love pretty much all, every part of the show. I, I adore it so much. But I do have errors of the show that I am more fond of than others. And that's just the reality of such a long-lived and changing production. So I want to talk a little bit in this introductory episode about my journey with Doctor Who and why it is that I feel compelled to talk about this series on a podcast. I got into Doctor Who all the way back in 2011 when I was studying abroad in St. Andrews, Scotland. So at St. Andrews, there was this thing called DocSoc, the Doctor Who Society, which met bi-weekly between the regular science fiction and fantasy society. And I was kind of dragged to these meetings by various friends at the time because, you know, it was just a thing, and fell in love with the meetings themselves. Because essentially what we would do at DocSoc is we would watch an episode of classic Doctor Who or a serial from classic Doctor Who, as well as an episode from New Who. And there would be all of these great British sweets out for you. There would be people dressed up, there would be quizzes after all the episodes, people would be reacting and having fun. It was just, it was a ball, guys. I I had so much fun at Doc Sock meetings. But 
I was coming as an outsider in the sense that I'd never seen the series before and genuinely had no idea what the freak was going on. So I would be watching and there would be a new doctor and a new companion and, you know, the blue box was still there, but suddenly we were in the past exploring some element of history and then the next episode had a completely different doctor and different companions and suddenly we were meeting the Candyman in this weird sci-fi dystopia and I was just like, what is going on? Is this like the Twilight Zone and there's just a blue box involved? Like, I, I just didn't get it. And for a while, I committed to not knowing what was going on. I just kind of enjoyed each episode as its own thing because I knew how long Doctor Who was and how long it had been on the air and I didn't want to commit to another series. This resolution of mine lasted almost a full semester. I was very, very proud of myself. Then I just, I couldn't, I'm, I'm such an innately curious person that of course I had to figure out what was going on. And I ended up watching the entirety of New Who at that time from the 2005 revival with Christopher Eccleston up through Matt Smith. I think Matt Smith was just starting his second series at the time. Probably in about a month, maybe less, maybe less, probably a couple weeks. I, I, I was pretty obsessive. I fell in love. I just, I fell in love with the series. I still have deep nostalgia for particularly the Russell T. Davies era, which was um, both Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant, the lead writer during that time, was Russell T. Davies. I I just, those characters are in my soul. They're just so deep. I, I was so in love with this series. So when I ended up leaving the UK after my year abroad, Doctor Who was something I took with me. It was a connection back. In particular, it was a connection to my very good friend, Hannah, who I still talk to on a weekly basis, even though we haven't really seen each other physically except for a handful of times over the intervening decade. But Doctor Who is something that we would talk about and discuss as it was coming out on air. From the beginning, this show was very much a social experience for me, both with Doc Sock and that social environment, and then as a connection back to my friend. You'll notice that at this point, I really haven't seen very much of Classic Who. I was very deeply invested in New Who. I was told to start there by the Whovians that I knew because it would be a little easier to approach. I'd seen bits and pieces of the classic series at Doc Sock, but I hadn't yet invested in classic Doctor Who. I knew I wanted to start watching classic Who, but I didn't have a very great deal of time. I graduated the year after I left Scotland and I ended up moving out to New Mexico where I was teaching high school English on Navajo Nation which was my first real job and it was just very time consuming. I was also pursuing a degree in um, secondary ed. It was just, there was a lot going on. But I did start watching Classic Who as a once a week treat for me. 
and made my way through the first, second, and most of the third doctor during that time. While I was in New Mexico teaching, I ended up starting an after-school Doctor Who club with my students. We gathered in my classroom once or twice a week, and we watched New Who from the beginning all the way up through the 50th anniversary, which is where we ended up stopping by the time I left. I would bake my famous Irish brown bread, which is a family recipe, and I had my friend Hannah send all these British sweets over from the UK, specifically for the Doctor Who Club. I also was the cool teacher that always had tea in my classroom. I probably was breaking some rules to do that, but I had a like a hot tea kettle and I always had hot chocolate and herbal teas and stuff available for my students. We had a grand time watching New Who together. It was a real bonding experience for my students, for me. There were a lot of things that carried over into the classroom from that club, especially when I started teaching Brit lit, British literature because um, we could have some cultural background there and bring it into the, the literary experience. My Doctor Who Club was also a not insignificant part of why I eventually managed to take 16 of my students abroad to the UK and Ireland for a summer trip the last year I was there, which was really a capstone to my experience in New Mexico and just a really special time that we all got to go on an EF tour together and it was the first time some of my students had been on an airplane and we were going abroad. It was just, it was very exciting. Doctor Who, again, was the means of facilitating some really wonderful things for my students. The next time I approached classic Doctor Who was prompted by something that was happening in New Who. After New Mexico, I moved up to Alaska to pursue my MFA in creative writing. And while I was there, I met a very good friend, Venus. He told me that he'd seen Christopher Eccleston and he'd seen Matt Smith, but he'd never actually seen David Tennant as the doctor. And this was a crime. It was, it was, it was inconceivable to me. It had to be fixed. So I told Venus, we, we need to get together and we need to, to watch David Tennant. And this is just something we must do, which we did. A large reason why we became such good friends is because of this experience. We started to watch New Who from David Tennant all the way up through Peter Capulti. Just as we were reaching the end of the series, it was the end of Peter Capulti's series. If you watch New Who, you know the second to last Peter Capulti episode ends with the 12th Doctor meeting the 1st Doctor. And it's teased that the first doctor is going to be back for the Christmas special. So I turn to Venus. This is the end of our journey and we're both kind of sad. And I say to him, we just need to watch the entirety of the first doctor before the Christmas special comes out. Because I, I've, you know, I, I, I've watched a lot of that, most of it, all of it, I think. But, but, but I need to watch it again and you need to watch it with me. And Venus says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So we started to watch Classic Who together. It was amazing. Again, 
one of the reasons why I would tell you if you absolutely can try to watch with someone because this show is so much fun to watch with a, with a buddy. At the time, I was living in a dry cabin out in the woods, which is pretty common for graduate students. Essentially, it's a cabin without running water. You still have electricity and stuff, but you're hauling your own water. So Venus and I would come up to my cabin, set everything up, and watch the serials that we could get on DVD. The Fairbanks Public Library actually had a lot of classic Who on DVD for odd reasons. And the episodes, the serials that we couldn't get, we would go down to campus where Venus lived and watch via the internet because I didn't have internet at my cabin. Venus and I would have such an amazing time laughing at things about Classic Who that were silly or ridiculous, but also just genuinely appreciating the good stories and falling in love with all of these characters from the beginning together. And it was just very wonderful to have that experience and to build our friendship through that experience. We managed not only to get through the first Doctor by the Christmas special, but I think we were mostly through the second Doctor by then as well. And we got through the third and most of the fourth Doctor before I left Alaska the following summer. When I moved to Florida, I continued to watch Classic Who, even though Venus wasn't there and that was very sad. But I was deeply invested in the fourth Doctor at the time, so I needed to keep going to get to the end of Tom Baker's error. When I finished with the fourth Doctor, I was so sad because the fourth Doctor was, was gone and he'd been around for such a long time and you, you get so attached to him and so used to him and it was just, it was very difficult to keep going. Every, every time a, a Doctor's out, it, it just, I need, I need a period of mourning before I'm ready to move on and I needed a particularly long period for the fourth Doctor because I'd been with him for so long. So I took a break. It probably was about six months before I started the fifth Doctor, but I did. What prompted me to get back into Classic Who and to finish up the series was another person who came into my life. At the time, I was teaching at Flagler down here in Florida. I was an adjunct and I was offered to become part of a learning community, which is essentially a situation in which you have two classes that the same students are enrolled in both classes and the two teachers plan the classes so they complement each other. And it can be any two classes. In this case, it was gonna be an intro to philosophy and an introduction to literature course. The person I was assigned as my team teacher, her name was Jen. And I don't think I've ever told her this, but I was terrified to meet Jen because I was told by just about everyone at the university that she was the smartest person I would ever meet and that she was like this phenomenal teacher and I was just convinced I was gonna walk into her, her office and she was immediately gonna think, oh, this little adjunct, she, she doesn't know what she's, she's doing. And I was, I was so nervous to meet her. I, I'd really built up this, this, this situation in which she was just gonna dismiss me out of hand. So I walked into her office trying to put on a brave face. And the very first thing I saw 
was that she had a Tom Baker bobblehead on her desk and a little mini TARDIS right next to it. And I said, okay, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be just fine. In fact, Jen and I became very good friends. We themed our class around science fiction. So we read a lot of science fiction literature and did like the philosophy of science fiction. It was a lot of fun. We also discovered our mutual interest in Doctor Who and particularly in classic Who. Jen was the first person that I'd ever met who had come at the series from classic Who. She actually grew up with Doctor Who when she was little and only approached New Who when it came out years and years later. So it was a unique perspective for me because most of the people I knew had started with New Who and then gone to Classic Who. We discovered that she had a bit of a gap in her knowledge set with Classic Who in that she hadn't seen very much of the third Doctor, who is like my baby. I, I, I cannot properly convey how much I love my third Doctor. Um, Venus totally understands where I'm coming from here. We we both are deeply protective of the third doctor. More people need to know how wonderful and perfect the third doctor is. Seriously, y'all need to, 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 to meet the third doctor. It's amazing. Jen and I ended up watching a significant portion of the third doctor, and that inspired me to finish up with the fifth doctor. Then quarantine hit. And for a while, I didn't want to do anything, as many of you were probably in a similar position. I then started to approach some of my favorite media again as a comfort. So um, towards the beginning of quarantine, I reread all of Jane Austen, for instance, which is one of my go-to comfort novels. I was quarantined with my parents whom I hadn't lived with for really 10 years. And as you can imagine, that can be a difficult situation because no one's used to it. You're not used to being with um, your parents when you've left them for such a long period of time. My parents actually watch more television than I do, which might surprise you. I keep talking about all the Doctor Who I'm watching, but I typically will only watch TV maybe two, three times a week. And I'm more of when I watch, like I watch a lot, but I don't watch as often. But they typically will watch the news each night and then watch a TV show or a movie. And at first in quarantine, this was the source of some tension because we could never decide what to watch after, you know, they were done watching the news. And and there was this kind of desire for me to join in because it was our bonding time, if you will. So at some point early in the summer, I proposed watching some scattered episodes of New Who because, again, I wanted my comfort. I picked out some of my favorite standalone episodes. So we watched things like Midnight and Blink and the Vincent Van Gogh episode in Matt Smith's Error. Eventually, my parents became intrigued enough that they wanted to start and watch New Who. So we started to do that together, and it was something that bound us together a little bit and helped ease some of that tension since we all knew what we were going to be watching in the evening. 
While my parents never became Whovians, I would say, they do enjoy the series, and we did watch the entirety all the way up through Jodie Whittaker. Meanwhile, I started to designate one or two days a week just for me to watch some classic Who and made my way through the sixth and seventh Doctor at that time. A large part of why I decided to do this podcast is because when I finished watching Classic Who this spring, I was devastated, guys. <laughs> I was in tears. It was it was like this deeply traumatic thing that, oh my gosh, I've actually finished this series and it's been such a long ride. I The last speech from The Seventh Doctor, which, you know, we'll get to oh my gosh, I want it framed. Every time I hear it, it makes me cry. It's just, it's a thing. And I wanted to find a way to continue to engage with the series and to potentially bring more people to Classic Who because I do think that there's so much to love about the classic series. I thought this would be especially helpful because frankly, Classic Who can be a little intimidating for those of you who are trying to approach it for the first time. There are a few reasons for this. Part of it is just the sheer amount of episodes. There's 129 serials out there, all with a lot of episodes in each serial. It's it's insane. It you know years and years and years of content, and that can be a little intimidating. The other thing about it is that the format of Classic Who is different than Modern Who. It is a serialized story. Essentially, how Classics Who is structured is you have these serials, or sometimes they're called stories, that have multiple episodes. The episodes are all about 20 minutes, and a typical serial is probably about four episodes, but they can range in length from two episodes to 12 episodes. It really just depends. Particularly early on in Classic Who, you have a lot of variation in the length of the serials. For a very long time, BBC was only releasing Classic Who story by story, so you would have to buy the DVD or rent the DVD with a particular serial and watch it from there. They have started to release the Classic Who episodes as seasons, but they're doing that pretty slowly. The easiest way to actually watch Classic Who, I would suggest if you're in the U.S., is to get yourself BritBox on Amazon Prime. BritBox is a little extra fee per month with Amazon Prime, and it gives you access to all of Classic Who except for the missing episodes, which we'll talk about in a second. And it also gives you access to a lot of other really great British content. So if you're an Anglophile like me, all of the BBC miniseries for classic lit. So for a lot of the Dickens novels and the Austen novels are on there. There are a lot of British crime dramas, a lot of the Agatha Christie adaptations. If you like those kind of things, you do get a pretty good value for BritBox and access to that. It's not quite, but almost the equivalent of having iPlayer for those of you over in the UK. That would be my recommendation if you're trying to watch Classic Who. That said, as I've just hinted at, the other issue with Classic Who that can make it a little daunting 
is there actually are missing episodes. So essentially, this happened because BBC was overriding some of the tapes of their older series to save money and inadvertently erased episodes, not just of Classic Who, but a lot of different shows. And other broadcasting networks did the same thing at this time. It wasn't just BBC. This means that there are serials in the first and second Doctor's Error, which have missing episodes and or are entirely missing. Some of those serials have been recovered in whole or in part over the years, and others have been animated in whole or in part. But there are still serials out there that are entirely missing or largely missing. And the only way that you can experience them is to watch or listen to what is known as a still reconstruction, which is essentially, even though they overrode the tapes, BBC still had the original audio for these serials, for all of them except for Marco Polo, which is has some other issues involved with it. But, but for all the other serials, the audio has survived completely intact. And they also have still shots from the production and from set that they were they managed to recover. So they've kind of pieced that together and you can watch the reconstruction with stills almost as if it's a radio drama. Now those are a bit difficult to access. Some of them are on the various DVDs for different stories of Classic Who. So for instance, the Aztecs DVD has the reconstruction of I believe it's the Crusades and if you get the beginning collection which involves like the first three serials of Doctor Who it also has a reconstruction of Marco Polo but they can be difficult to find they are available online in various places but yeah they can be a little difficult to track down I have actually watched all the reconstructions. Venus and I were crazy and went and did this. I will be re-watching them when I'm going episode by episode. I'm just going to make sure that I give you a more detailed summary of those episodes before I start analysis and talking about them because I recognize that's just not for everybody and some of you might want to wait and see if perhaps BBC will be kind and animate more of those missing serials. I will say that one of my favorite serials of Classic Who is in fact one that I have never seen. I'll tell you which when we get there. So some of them are really quite good. This isn't a problem after the second Doctor. Most of the missing serials are towards the end of the first Doctor error and at the beginning of the second Doctor error. The Doctor that suffers most from the missing serials is the second Doctor because a larger portion of his content is not available and that's really unfortunate because the second Doctor is awesome. A few last notes before I close out this introduction. Why should you watch Classic Who for those of you who are still on the fence with all of these potential red flags of, oh, it's it's so long and, and it's old and some of it's in black and white and, you know, there are missing serials and all that. I would say there are a few reasons why Classic Who is very much worth watching. 
The first is if you are a fan of the new series, it does provide a lot of background and context to that series. It's not a prerequisite, but you will catch a lot of references and nods back to Classic Who, and it does fill out certain characters and villains in ways that are interesting, I think. If you're a big fan of New Who, I think you will enjoy getting to retroactively watch Classic Who. Another thing that I find really interesting about Classic Who is because it's on air for such a long time, it is a really great way of looking at how culture changes and shifts over time, and particularly how our ideas about history, the questions that we were asking philosophically, the ideas we have about science shift over time. It's a really, really cool encapsulation of science fiction and how it evolved from the golden era of television in the early 1960s to essentially our modern era of science fiction. The eras are pretty distinct from each other in a lot of ways, exemplify or capture that particular cultural moment and that particular space in sci-fi, what was interesting to particularly to Britain, but in general, what kind of questions and ideas were being explored at that time. You get to explore things that you don't always see in modern science fiction. So in the beginning of Classic Who, we have a lot of emphasis on the exploratory elements of science fiction, that we are off and exploring this brand new world and this brand new culture and just existing in this space, whether that's in the past and getting to know what it was like to be on the Crusades back in the day, or whether it's in the far future in some society that has been made up and is inhabited by giant bugs. There is this limitless possibility and the wonder that's there in that early science fiction era that is not necessarily present in the same way now where we have more character and plot driven science fiction. The serialized format allows Classic Who to tell different stories than we typically see in modern science fiction or that even we see in New Who. The stories can be a bit more sprawling. They can be a little bit messier. They aren't restricted to any particular length. So you can have very quick, short stories and you can have very long, complex stories. And while sometimes that means that you have a bit of padding here and there, I think that's a valid criticism of Classic Who, it also allows for different story structures and the exploration of these characters and these places in a different way and at a different level than we get in typical modern science fiction. I would also say that Classic Who overall really stands up looking back from a modern perspective. There are a lot of really great stories that still feel important and relevant from a modern perspective as much as they are commenting on what was going on historically. The characters are very fascinating. You have some wonderful companions and the doctors are all really, really brilliant and worth exploring as doctors. 
And when Classic Who doesn't hold up, when you have episodes that are campy or don't quite work, it doesn't hold up in a fun way. And by that I mean that when it's not working as a show, it's kind of hilarious. And you can have a lot of fun with the aspects of the show that aren't working. Which is why, again, I would recommend a watch buddy if you absolutely um, have the opportunity to have one. Because it is a fun show both to appreciate on its own merits, but also to poke fun at when it's not quite working. These are all reasons to consider approaching the show as a whole. In terms of this particular podcast, I intend to be releasing an episode every week. And as I said, I'll be doing a serial every week, which is a collection of episodes, obviously, but one story. And I'm going to try to keep relatively positive here. I'll be honest about my thoughts. And yes, there are errors of um, Doctor Who. It's so long running that I prefer over others. There are doctors I love more than others. But I do genuinely love the show pretty much throughout its entire run. And I think there are things worth admiring and appreciating and enjoying about each of these different eras and each of these different stories, even the ones that don't quite work. So I'm going to try to keep this commentary relatively positive while still being honest. It's not my aim to tear apart this show on any level. There are definitely places you can go to hear that kind of critique. That's not really what I want to do. I'm more interested in coming at this from a loving place because I do really love this show and seeing what a value we can take from these various episodes. Next time, I'm going to be providing some analysis and commentary on Doctor Who's very first serial, An Unearthly Child. I'll be looking at the unaired pilot, as well as all four episodes in the serial itself. For those of you watching along on BritBox on Amazon Prime, you do have the unaired pilot and then the serial. You don't have to watch the unaired pilot. It is not canon. It's just a different version of what became the first episode of Classic Who. If you are interested in how shows develop, particularly in this case, how much acting can change how you perceive a story, I would definitely recommend after you watch the serial as aired, going back and seeing that pilot because it's fascinating. For now though, I will be signing off so that I can go off and watch An Unearthly Child. I'm very excited to be discussing it soon. This has been Through the Vortex, a companion to classic Doctor Who.